It's all about Southampton. The So So Show with Zoe Hansen and Simon Clark. Hello and welcome to another episode of Southampton's podcast. It's The So So Show, where we take a look at life in Southampton. It's hosted by her, Zoe Hansen. And him, Simon Clark. Now, this week we're going to tell you all about a city event which could help take a new idea to the next level. The reason we put the show on is to underline the fact that this is a great place to turn good ideas into great businesses. And Craig Revel Horwood shares his love of Panto. And I always regarded it as one of the lowest art forms in the world until I did one. And then I was shocked how difficult it was to do, like doing a full-on musical. I love the fact that he's happy to admit that he just thought it was absolute tripe yeah. until he had to do one. Everybody does. It's very much like working at Butlins, isn't it? Everybody goes, nah, it's a load of old rubbish. But do you know what? You learn your trade, right? It's a really good interview and I would urge you to stick around and listen to that. And it's not like you can go anywhere at the moment unless you're lucky <laughs> enough to have a full tank of fuel. You could listen to three episodes of the So So Show while you are sat waiting. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's just gone completely crazy but I sort of see why and how it happened okay because as soon as you say something like there's a shortage of petrol tanker drivers right that's all people here mm. they didn't clock the fact that it was one percent of BP stations and then what happens is it all comes out in the media and somebody's saying, don't panic. Now, as soon as you say don't panic, in your mind, in everybody's human instinctive mind, they go, hang on a minute, there's a problem. We should totally panic here. <laughs> so on Thursday night before I went to bed, I saw the news story on the BBC website and I thought this isn't going to end well. Okay. And uh, yes, by Friday morning, they were reporting it on Breakfast News and they were being very careful to say, no, there's not a shortage. Don't panic by but. But, yeah. So if the organisation that briefed the media hadn't briefed the media to say that four BP garages were closing because they hadn't got any fuel, yeah. then we wouldn't be in this mess. Garages locally have run out of fuel so many times in the last couple of yeah. months, yeah. but nobody bats an eyelid because guess what? Sometimes garages run out of fuel and they haven't booked a tanker. But even then, I mean, look, that's one of those situations. You add one job, right? All you've got to do is keep petrol coming into this garage. Did you hear about what happened in Horton Heath? Go on. Somebody got wind of the fact there was a tanker delivery due. Right. So word spread around the area. <laughs> and uh, just before the tanker was due to arrive, there was a mahusive queue. Yeah. And of course, Horton Heath, not the biggest road to have a queue on at the best of times. The okay. tanker couldn't get in. Oh, so no. The owners of the garage are trying to explain to people, look, if you don't move, we <laughs> you can't won't get, anything. get the fuel. I know you've been sat here for five minutes and you're at the front of the queue, but if you don't go, no one's going to get any fuel. So on Thursday evening, no, sorry, Friday evening, I was coming from Swathling Arch up towards West End, just down Swathling Road. That normally takes me about seven minutes, let's say. It took me nearly an hour because everybody was queuing to get into the Apple Green garage, but somebody decided to try and turn right. Oh, I mean, we just didn't move. I was desperate for the loo. And I'm thinking, (laughs) well, I'm just going to have to get out and go in the white swan in a minute. I'm going to have to get out and go and do that. 
And while I'm in that queue, not only am I desperate for the toilet, I am desperate for fuel. I think I was down to sort of 20 miles or something, but there's no way that I could have gone into the garage and waited because I I really needed a wee. So I had to come home. Anyway, the next morning I thought, right, okay, probably need to get this sorted now. So I rang Apple Green Garage when Littland got up at half past six in the morning, said, do you have fuel? Yes, we do. I went down there. It's the most bizarre sort of apocalyptic scene (laughs) to see people queuing into a garage. It was barely light. And there were all these people up. And there's lots of people moaning, going, people panic buying. Yeah, but you're here as well. (laughs) I saw a photo on a friend's Facebook of someone at the Cat and Fiddle petrol station, which is, you know, brand school, where yes. the Cat and Fiddle pub is on the A35. Someone had stopped at that petrol station, opened the boot, they had six jerry cans lined up and they were just going for it. I wonder how busy, like, the AA and the RAC are at the moment because people are running out of fuel. The knock-on effect for them must be huge. But then they counter that with the fact that they're not having to rush out and help all the people who put diesel into a petrol car. <laughs> so they've probably got a little yeah, bit Yeah, but if you were really desperate, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there was one genius, genius story that I saw. I don't think it was around Southampton, but so somebody was in a queue. It, it took, I think the queue took about an hour and a half to get in there and fill up. So in the queue, they ordered a Nando's delivery. <laughs> And they sat and ate their chicken whilst waiting for a petrol oh, pump. Just imagine being in the car behind that. <laughs> You'd be like, there, oh, go on, just give us a little wing. You've been there 50 <laughs> minutes and all of a sudden a Nando's rider turns up and hands food to the person in the car in front. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> so still to come, we're going to talk to Craig Revelhorde and the lovely Debbie McGee about yeah. this year's panto at the Mayflower. It's a really good chat and worth sticking around for. In the meantime... Let me tell you about an event that's going to be happening in Southampton where if you've got a good idea that you need to develop, you can take and you never know. It might be the start of something big. Ed Gold is one of the driving forces behind VentureFest South and he told Zoe more about it. VentureFest South is an innovation showcase. So it's loads of weird and wonderful new inventions, new businesses and new ideas all taken from this region and the reason we put the show on is to underline the fact that this is a great place to turn good ideas into great businesses. With places like the National Oceanography Centre, we've got two universities that are sort of at the forefront of everything, you know, there must be innovative ideas coming out of every pore of this city. Now more than ever, if you think where we are in the world, Uh, both geographically and the recent news with Brexit and things like this, this region has the ability to really be a driver for new ideas and new initiatives. And those range from marina maritime through to, if you think of the universities, they've got amazing healthcare angles, so there's lots of medical sides, lots of high-tech stuff. But the other thing that we've got not just in this region, but Southampton, the city specifically, is amazing creative industries. And there's a big focus on how the creative industries are really driving innovation in the South. So in terms of this city and the wider region, for the last three or four years since we've been doing VentureFest, slowly but surely it's been getting the recognition that it deserves. And Southampton has been picked out by 
organisations like PricewaterhouseCooper, NatWest, and the government as one of the fastest growing incubators of good ideas. So it's it's a really good time to be in this city. No idea is a bad idea, right? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what things have you come across then? I mean, you've been, yeah. and there is so many different things happening at every one. Yes. And this is our fifth year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a few highlights, if I can try to drag them out of my brain. Uh, there was a young guy from Southampton University called Colin, I think it was, and he was really young and he uh, invented a new way for bus companies to work out whether there was going to be um, damage to their buses because of potholes in the road. Really innocuous, okay. really like low level. And so we sort of heard him pitch and we're like, that's not... Six months later, he's been taken over to uh, America. Yeah. His company's been bought for huge amounts of money <laughs> and he's doing these amazing things because he's solving an amazing problem yeah, yeah, that yeah. no one else can be bothered to solve. Uh -huh. And he's solving it with technology. So that was great. At the complete other end of the scale is a dad who's got a son who had disabilities. And one of the, the problems his son has is he had uh, fits and would just pass out. Mm -hmm. And he pitched this idea. He didn't go to university. He's not an engineer he's not one of the usual sort of innovators that's highly trained this is a dad in a workshop that fitted to his shoe a sensor so he could tell if his son was about to topple over and he did that off his own back just using technology he found around the house wow. and he stood in front of a group of us and pitched it and because he was at VentureFest we were able to connect him up with some people yeah. that could actually help him develop that into something else so that was one that actually pulled more at the heartstrings yeah, yeah. because this is someone that really had nothing he was just solving a problem out of necessity and yeah. really necessity is the mother of all invention of as we know and what you see is the really good ideas are solving real problems so anyone can be part of VentureFest and anyone can be an innovator you've just got to recognize what problems you've got it's like a big dragon's den isn't it and talking of that haven't you got some sort of area which is a bit more like dragon's den we don't have people with stacks of money waiting to hand it over to you but we're pretty close to that in the sense that we have an open mic event which anyone your listeners can come down if you've, if you've got an idea and you're listening to this and you want to see what it's like to pitch in a dragon's den situation we have the open mic competition and you get three minutes three slides and you have to impress a panel of uh, investors and collaborators from uh, around the venture fest partnership and and there's a winner each year that goes away with the cup for that uh, and they also then get the support of the venture fest uh, partners to help develop their ideas on so it's, it's that's the really fun bit of it there's also some really heavyweight stuff going on so okay. there's detailed talks about sustainability and innovation there's things about funding so if you've got a business or an idea and you're trying to work out how to fund it there's a whole uh, knowledge zone and, and and information about how you can do that so what we try and do is bring really interesting people together in really interesting ways to develop the economy uh, of this city and the wider region. So that's Ed Gold, one of the organisers of Venture Fest South, which sounds like it's a brilliant place to go if you've got an idea. And I love the fact that Southampton is recognised by many as one of the fastest growing incubators of good idea. That's very good, isn't it? I think the universities and all that stuff all feeds in, doesn't it? But it, it makes the city buzz, you know? Um, they've got the innovation 
Innovation Centre down in Ocean Village. You know, there's loads going on that you sort of don't see. But Venture Fest is, yeah, it's it's a hive of activity. As was the city last weekend with oh the my Reclaim gosh. Festival. The Reclaim Festival. So this was sort of a street art, music, dance, uh, performance, sport. It was alive honestly Southampton last Saturday was phenomenal I've never seen the city buzz like that it made me you know burst with pride when I saw it all down in Hoglands Park they had jerk jam which has become a really big festival and is a really big thing in itself you know I mean there was so much bass my little one was feeling a bit sick from it you know <laughs> and I bet it smelled amazing as well yeah. <laughs> I love a bit of jerk chicken <laughs> and then um, you had the luminarium which was sort of the antidote to everything else going on in the city because it was this inflatable what do we call it like a meditation zone well it, it sort of was but it but it wasn't like you had to go in there and sit cross-legged but it had all these different colors and these different zones and these beautiful patterns and immediately as soon as you walked in you felt relaxed and it was just so serene and it had beautiful music. And look, the pictures for Instagram were amazing. They were stunning. I think in there. Keith said in the interview last week it was uh, gram worthy. Yes. <laughs> Very gram worthy. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good. So it's going to be back next year, you reckon? I reckon so. I reckon it's got to. It was just buzzing. And, you know, the amount of people that came into Southampton City Centre for that, you know, it was a busy, busy day there. We took a trip through West Quay and it was stacked out. You know, I don't think it's been that busy for 18 months. I bet Littland slept well that night. Oh, yes. <laughs> So we're into that time of year now where everything starts to move quicker and the days get shorter and the temperature drops. And I know that you've been contemplating the thermostat this week. Oh, yes. Right. That heating's got to go on. But it's not all bad news because it means we're heading towards Panto. And this year's Mayflower show is going to be a spectacular. It sees the return of the lovely Debbie McGee and Craig Revel Horwood. We're here for pantomime, of course, and it's about time because I have missed it. And here we're going to be doing Cinderella and it's one of my favourite theatres in the UK. It's bigger than the Palladium, I'll have you know. And, um, of course, we've got the flying horses and, you know, the flying carriages from the Palladium production. And it's just so great to be able to share the stage this year, of course, uh, with the lovely Debbie McGee lovely Debbie McGee um, and you've played the Mayflower stage a couple of times haven't you? Yeah I have I was here playing uh, Miss Hannigan in Annie which I adored that was amazing and also several pantos I've played the Wicked Queen here several times as well and a lot of my shows like Sister Act and Spend 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 all of those shows that I've done in the past you know directed and choreographed have all come here as 
well. So for me, it's like coming home. And plus, for seven years, I've been living in Hampshire, just up the road. Oh, have you? Go on, where? I can say where now because I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in a village called Quarley, near Thruxton Racecourse. So um, there. So it's been fantastic for the last seven years uh, living in Hampshire. I've enjoyed it enormously. I've had so much fun here. And plus, we've filmed loads of stuff, you know, with Alan Titchmarsh because he lives around the corner. And James Martin, of course. Weren't you at a KFC at one point? I was at the Southampton KFC (laughs) serving. Was this your biggest role ever? Well, yeah, it was. I had to, yeah, um, roast people, basically. (laughs) Although we're getting a good frying from me, you know, for charity. So it was really good fun. Um, uh, I love KFC, actually. (laughs) So uh, it was a win-win. And Debbie, have you been and played in the Mayflower Theatre before? Have you been to Southampton? I have. I played here many years ago with the Paul Daniels Magic Show on tour. Um, But I've come to see lots of things here. In fact, I saw Craig in Annie. Um, I came to see the Glenn Miller story with Tommy Steele just a few years ago. I drove all the way to see a matinee. And I came to see the Panto here the year you had Suzanne Shaw and Steve McFadden and Joe McFadden. Keldry um, and saw the panto so I can't wait to actually be here for a season as we call it in the business and just panto is wonderful I mean it's just so exciting and just sitting as we are now in the auditorium of this theatre I think people who live here who come here have no idea how lucky they are that it's a very special theatre. I think that the last 18 months has made us all appreciate it so much more and the excitement of having a panto after not having one last year. How excited are you to be in pantomime again? Oh, I mean, especially, I think, this one isn't just a panto. It's a huge production. It's all the sets and costumes from the Palladium, which, you know, it it is bigger and better than any other panto around. That's not showing off. It's just I don't want people to miss it because because of that. Um, but also, I think that what people have now realised is what we as thespians have been telling everybody. Coming out and enjoying live theatre where something can go wrong yeah. is always more exciting than sitting in your living room watching TV on your own or with your family. Panto, everybody joins in. And there is always that moment where something goes wrong or I'm sure Craig will make me corpse and giggle because I'm a real giggler. Um, So, you know, they've got that to look forward to. Every performance will be different. And Panto is so good for that, isn't it? Do you have little challenges, I don't know, to get a word in or to throw somebody off their lines a little bit? Craig looks a little bit mischievous there. No, the challenge for me is remembering the lines. (laughs) That is the biggest one because I'm getting to an age now where I'm like, oh, that's a big monologue, darling. Uh, but yeah, it goes wrong a lot, but I like that because you can get out of it, you know, and it's not like uh, doing Shakespeare where you have to be word for word. And you can slightly go off script a little bit here and there, you know, and I think that makes it fun. You know, you don't want to be playing it completely straight. Well, I couldn't, darling. That's not in my, <laughs> that's certainly not my nature. And um, plus, it's uh, just really great on stage with other people when you can include the audience 
audience because we never have like on stage in jokes or anything so it's always it's always audience inclusive and that's what I love about it you know if something does go wrong and someone like tries to get you out of it and you're digging yourself a grave then uh, the audience will know about it <laughs> but that is the fun and beauty of the whole structure of pantomime you know we didn't have this in Australia when I was growing up so for me it was something new and I always regarded it as one of the lowest art forms in the world I've got to be honest until I did one and then I was shocked how difficult it was to do it was like doing a full on musical and especially these pantomimes the crossroad ones uh, previously uh, kudos ones you know they are written like musicals and it's hard hard work i mean it's literally the same length of time as a normal musical as well which is incredible and you're doing you know so many shows back to back it might be like three shows a day singing dancing acting it's exhausting so you've got to get your supply of uh, vitamins and minerals and stuff in and make sure you're eating well and looking after yourself obviously because it is literally two shows a day and it's exhausting and of course I don't get a day off because I'm doing Strictly on the Saturdays and Debbie's going to be going out I suppose on the evening well so Richard and I Richard um, <laughs> is Mr Sooty yes. uh, yeah we're, we're planning what to do but you never know Craig might invite us to a performance of Strictly because I think you're going to have some audiences now. yeah we're waiting to see about audiences we haven't got them at the moment but hopefully as time goes on then we may be able to introduce it and who are you looking forward to seeing on Strictly most this year well I'm loving John and Johannes mm -hmm. I love that combination not because they're two men because people would get the wrong idea in that way I think they're just two amazing people and they already have a chemistry together on the dance floor also Giovanni and Rose I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that pans out because that's going to be a tough one and he's going to have to communicate in very different ways so uh, but that seems to be going well at the moment so I'm really pleased about that and I think this cast this year are all very even Stephen you know they all have potential yes. you know it's we haven't got the John Sargents this year all the Anne Whittacombs all the Nancy Dialios and the list is endless darling I could go on for about so three pleased. hours of your program I'm so pleased you didn't mention Debbie McGee <laughs> you were amazing though hello completely amazing the lovely Debbie McGee was fantastic <laughs> no I'm and I'm sure with Craig um you know, I agree when I, I've watched the launch show last Saturday and, of course, Giovanni was my partner. Mm. And I think it will be very interesting for him because, you know, he's got such charm, as we both know. Mm. But because she can't hear, um, he will have to, you know, give that charm. And he is learning some sign language and things, but I, he won't let us down. He'll have a lovely relationship with her and it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We love it when Strictly comes round, you know, that's Saturday nights all the way up until Christmas then, isn't it? Well, every time uh, I hear, da -da -da -ba 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 -ba, I think, oh, I've got to start learning panto now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's your cue, is it? My cue, that's what terrifies me more than anything else. Going on stage on opening night, under-rehearsed, I can't bear it. But I suffer it for my art, darling. And 
the expense of looking stupid in front of thousands of people. Uh-huh. You know, it's great though. And bring it on. You know, I think you've got to be a brave person to walk on this stage and sing, dance, and act. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> it's really hard. But uh, I think once you get over the initial shock of it, and it will be a shock because it's been two years. Well, last year. <laughs> so, hello. I'll have Sunday lunch on if you really need it. All right. Well, I, what I'm really excited about, you know, when Craig is talking and was just talking about the panto, he does. there is a sparkle that comes into his eyes. And I think because we've both been in the business so long, I'm already laughing, because I am a giggler, that I know there's going to be moments that I'll forget my lines and he's going to take the mickey out of me and I will certainly take the mickey out of him if he forgets his. <laughs> well, and, don't worry. Uh, I've, uh, I've done that every year. Yeah, and because <laughs> we're experienced, we know how to do it in a way the audience will just love it because they always do. So for me, I'm kind of feel like I'm wrapped in a blanket because sometimes you work with somebody you've never worked before who can't actually deal with that Mm. or can't take the mickey. Um, Where we know (laughs) we can, I think we're going to be a bit naughty. But you two need to sit at the back. Yeah, Yeah, we should. But unfortunately, we've got leading roles. (laughs) We've been pushed to centre stage, darling. Also, the other thing that Craig just said um, is that what people don't realise when you do panto. It is like a full-blown musical, but you only get a week to rehearse, really, because by yeah. the time you've half a day to travel somewhere and whatever. So that's why you never feel rehearsed. <laughs> the opening, it always takes me six shows before I feel I'm like I've same. got my slippers on. Oh, <laughs> exactly the same. Right, so sixth show, that's the one we're coming to. <laughs> they come to the first one. Yeah, that's always yeah. the funniest. Yeah. I've had to walk off stage before to get my lines from stage management. Well, <laughs> don't feel bad bad, Craig, because I w- went to see the Wimbledon pantomime with Dame Edna Everidge yeah. the other year, um, who came on and then forgot what scene she was in <laughs> and went to the front row and said, can I borrow a programme so I can look to see where I am? <laughs> so there's another one you can use. One use <laughs> Quite a few years ago, I was in a panto and I played the genie of the ring. Mm. And for some reason, I had to rush on stage and forgot to put the ring on. So I became the genie of the finger. (laughs) Well, I I think that sounds better than a ring. (laughs) It's a whole different panto. Yeah, I'm just saying Julie and Clary would have a field day with her. That's Craig Revelhorwood and the lovely Debbie McGee (laughs) talking about this year's panto at the Mayflower. I love the fact that uh, after seven years living in Hampshire, he's moving. Can you imagine turning up to view that house? (laughs) Darling, come in. Fabulous. I hear from someone who's been that he has the most incredible wine cellar oh really it's not so much a cellar it's almost like an entire wall oh my gosh i love these stories and this is it you sort of think at which point did they reach the time where they thought i'm gonna have a wine cellar i think think they might have extended the staircase just so they could get more fridges underneath it wow but anyway and he's also got a big crh with bulbs in Oh, you know, you get like love letters yeah, at yeah. the wedding. He's got one of those in his living room. Very nice, very nice. I sound like I'm stalking him now, so I'm going to show. No, not at all, not at all. Um, big thing going on this week is that the new James Bond film is out. No time to die. Finally in the cinema, but it's not quite new anymore, is it? It's best part of two years old. <laughs> no, I know. Are we looking at it sort of? Oh, that's a bit retro, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> They've only got an iPhone 10 in it. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, it's already old hat. But I was looking at the pictures from the premiere um, in London. They went to the Royal Albert Hall, didn't they? Kate, as in princess going to be Queen Kate. She stole the show for me. She just looked incredible. She looked like a Bond girl. Wow, yeah, she does look like she could have been waking right. up next to Daniel Craig. I mi- <laughs> I don't think we should say that about our potential monarch soon. But I've been to a Bond premiere and I didn't wear a dress like that. I, I, I didn't look anything like Kate, how could I? But the Bond premiere is, is really, really interesting because it's one of those sort of very British things. There's normally a royal premiere. And I went to one with the Queen and Prince Philip in attendance. So we're in Leicester Square... We sort of walk through. Nobody knew who we were, of course. I have my mate in the crowd saying, Zoe, 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 just, <laughs> just to make me feel better. And, and then we go into the theatre, but you have to be there about an hour before anything starts to happen, before the Queen or the Royal Family turn up. So we're in there and we are sweating. It is so warm in there. And then the Queen and Prince Philip come in and they go along the line and they shake hands with everyone and they have a little chat. And then finally they make their way into the auditorium. And when they do that, the trumpeters on stage play the national anthem. And they've given us all these instructions about security and when you've got to be there and you're not allowed to leave before that and da 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 da. Um, but what they never said was, you should sing the national anthem. So the trumpeters come out on stage, everybody stands up and it goes, and everybody's like this. Are we supposed to? I don't know. Like an entire theatre full of England football players. <laughs> It was really, really strange. And then the party afterwards, I've never seen champagne flutes as big as these. I mean, they were literally half pinters. Um, But walking round, it looks like you're walking round Madame Tussauds. I said, oh... Excuse me, Richard, to Richard Branson, <laughs> as I as I walked past, and then I ended up sat down beside Shirley Bassey. Like it was the weirdest night ever, and and I was like, oh, I've got to go to work tomorrow. So come on, we we got to finish this up a bit quick. But you're walking past Daniel Craig, and oh, just phenomenal. I'd amazing. love to hear Shirley Bassey's version of this story. Yeah. <laughs> I was sat there. She tells it very well. (laughs) (laughs) So have you got a spare two hours and 43 minutes this weekend to watch the film? Is that how long it is? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I quite like the fact that they haven't done any sort of preview screenings for any of the press. They've kept it all back and nobody's letting any spoilers out. Well, you say they haven't done preview screenings. Oh. Go on. I can't say anything. (gasps) Oh. Not until after Friday. Oh! Oh! Have you seen it? I've had to sign something that says I won't talk about it. Amazing! This is why you didn't know that I'd been to see it. Oh! Oh, that's so exciting. And is it worth two hours and 43 minutes? Are you allowed to say that? You will not be disappointed. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. There you go. You heard it here first. You're genuinely shocked. I am. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love that. Southampton's podcast, The So So Show. Another thing that's been happening um, on the South Coast which was very exciting, and also wall-to-wall celebs. Boys on the Block 
Um, they played at the Pilgrim, and that was Abs from Five. Shane Lynch from Boyzone and Dane Bowers from Dane Bowers. Oh, right. Yeah, and then Dane Bowers went to Cafe Parfait. Dane Bowers once opened the McDonald's drive-thru down the road from me when I lived in Birmingham. (laughs) As in he had a key. (laughs) This was year 2000 when I lived in Acox Green in Birmingham. Right, right. I love it. Other superstars to talk about. It's the London Marathon this weekend. Matt and Richard from St Mary's Fire Station. They are the ones that did the Southampton Marathon in a fire engine. As in, like it's a, it's like a toy one. It's a play one. But they are carrying all this weight. They are doing it for the firefighters' charity. So um, go on, boys. We're right behind you. Yeah. Good luck to all the quite far from- back <laughs> <laughs> puffing and panting. Good luck to all the runners from the South who are making the trip up to London this weekend for the marathon. The 40th year? Another birthday, another 40th birthday, actually. The Peter Cooper Motor Group. They have celebrated this week their 40 years in business. Uh, Another big birthday in town as well. West Key, it's their 21st birthday. And that means that this weekend there'll be lots going on all around the centre and on the West Key food bit. (laughs) Will they be giving away jelly and ice cream for the 21st? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Do you have that at the 21st? If if it's the 21st, they'll probably be doing shots. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I don't know (laughs) if they're giving those away. Um, But what they have down there is they have lots and lots of doors and you open one of the doors and you get a present. So you get a birthday present of, I don't know, a gift card or there might be some discount somewhere or something like that. So there's me celebrating the third anniversary of my DJ business this week. And there's West Key celebrating its 21st anniversary. I know, but they're both big birthdays, right? They've done a little bit better than me just taking my team out for a Josie's. Oh, no, that was sweet. And congratulations to you. Hampshire event DJs has been running for three years now. It has been. Well done, you. Half of which we've been sat on our backsides <laughs> doing nothing. <laughs> but we certainly made up for lost time this summer. As Simon said earlier, obviously this year is sort of running by us now. Um, and we're just into October. And at the end of October, of course, it's Halloween. Itchin Valley Country Park on the 31st of October, they have a spooktacular, which is a spooky story. And then you go off and find spooks in the woods. Um, Southampton Film Week as well. This is one worth checking out. It runs from November the 5th until the 14th. So go and find out all the details. As we head towards Halloween, there'll be lots of events happening around the area. Please do let us know about what you've got planned and we'll make sure that it gets a bit of airtime on Southampton's podcast. You'll be able to find us in all the usual places on your social media. Yes, please do. Keep getting in touch on social media. We love all your comments, especially about the heating being turned on or not or what. (laughs) I will put long trousers on before I put I can't believe you've still got shorts on. You're crazy, man. As long as possible. I've got my coat on. I was going to say, we are polar opposites. There's you in a jacket and here's me in shorts. (laughs) Have a great week, Zoe. And you, Simon. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to Zoe Hanson and Simon Clark on Southampton's podcast, The So So Show. Listener.